In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Welcome to another Conspiracy Unlimited Plus episode for premium subscribers. Author Don Jeffries is here to discuss the lockdown and its crippling effect on the economy, as well as the lockdown's impact on our emotional, psychological, mental, and physical well-being. We'll also discuss the mainstream media's role in spreading fear during the pandemic and its unquestioning coverage of the pandemic. Don is a longtime JFK assassination researcher and a brilliant writer. His must-read works of nonfiction include Hidden History, Survival of the Richest, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, and Bullyocracy. Hey, Don, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend? Fine, Richard. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. What's happening in Virginia vis-a-vis the lockdown? Are you in some sort of a tier-type uh, system where certain parts of the state are under strict quarantine, others are maybe opened up a little bit more? Well, I'm in Northern Virginia, which is uh, the, probably the uh, bluest uh, part of the state. Uh, you know, lots of government workers here, lots of uh, you know people with. Uh, press corps jobs and things like that. And so uh, it's never been great, but they had everything pretty much had opened back uh, at least uh, on kind of a contingency basis. But then a couple of weeks ago, like for instance, they they started putting a curfew on the bars, which basically closed them down like at 10 p.m. So nobody's going to bars anymore, um, that kind of thing. And you're supposed to have a mask wherever you go, but you know, I'm not even trying to make a statement, but it's just so stupid that I just keep forgetting. 
So I, I just keep walking in places and it just, I don't, it just hasn't registered in my brain yet. And, you know, a couple of times I just said, screw it. I'm in line. I'm not going to go back out and nobody says anything to me, but I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, even protest. Cause I realize the people in CVS or some food place, you know, they're getting paid $8 an hour. It's not their decision. So I, I don't, I've, I've gotten mature enough, like not to start arguing with them, you know, but, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And of course we don't, we don't know when this is going to end, but they, they have, and it, it, it had loosened up a bit, but now I think it's pretty much what's going on pretty much on most of the country where things are kind of tightening back up again for, for unclear reasons, in my view. Well, there's so much uh, of this that's unclear. And when you examine the logic, if I can use that word, behind the the dizzying array of, of rules, uh, it, it really breaks down. So, for example, you mentioned bars shutting at, down at 10 o'clock. As if the the coronavirus somehow knows that yes. after ten o'clock you're we're more susceptible. Yes, or yes. when it comes to small businesses, you can go to Walmart and buy flowers, but you can't go to the mom and pop florist on the corner. Right. What what is going on here with these with these rules? Yeah. They're so hypocritical yeah. and contradictory. Yeah, and that should have been the first thing that that people should have questioned. I mean, I, I've been talking, and I, I have, you know, I started a book, uh, you know, when I, I basically called call it uh, "Masking the Truth" about this pandemic. But uh, my publisher was interested, and then backed off. So, I'm going to have to self-publish or do. I have somebody that will probably publish it for me, but I have to. I have these other projects, so I, I, I try to, to pull it together. And of course, things are changing so much to make it timely. You know, you're almost going to have to go up to the second because it doesn't show any signs of backing off. But, I, you know, I've been writing on social media from the beginning about this. I was skeptical from you know, one of a very small band of people that was skeptical right from the get go because I knew the statistics. Uh, I had John Rappaport on my show who's done great work on it at uh, nomorefakenews.com. People can find out constantly. And he, he was the one that told me on my show you know, early in the year uh, that uh, that they were including presumed cases what they call presumed cases and their numbers. And sure enough, if you look at the CDC weekly stats updates, which fluctuate, by the way, they go up and down and nobody questions them. Uh, they, they send it out every week to the public and very few people read them. And they have a little disclaimer in every one of those weekly stats. Note, presumptive cases or presumed cases are included in the numbers, which means cases that have been proven. So they're worthless. So they're trying to pad the numbers, but one of the things I wrote about at the beginning was, yeah, that's that should have jumped out at everyone. Why? Why are the? I mean, it's so obvious the big chain stores, the too big to fail stores, never closed, but the smaller ones did. Now uh, that makes no sense because if it's if it's about public safety, you could make a strong argument that the WalMarts and those people are are actually more dangerous in that situation because they're drawing much more traffic. So, but again, nobody questions it. <laughs> And uh, you, nobody questions any of this stuff. I mean, how, why are Trump rallies or uh, uh, that motorcycle rally they had or anti-lockdown protests, why are they super spreaders? And everyone sounds the alarm, but Black Lives Matters protests are cool. Not, or Biden, uh, Biden victory celebrations are cool. And, and nobody questions it. It's, it's like, you know, this, this is either, I mean, you can't politicize an alleged virus up to that point where it knows, you know, like what a t crowd it's attacking. And as you mentioned about the, the 10 o'clock curfew thing, and at least in my area, I, I've been saying from the, the when we started being able to go to restaurants again, they have this absurd thing. They probably have it where you are too, where you have to wear a mask into the restaurant. But once you get to the table, you can take it off. 
Right. So, right. so it's like so the virus hovers around the doorway, I guess. Once, you, once you're in there, it's it's a, the, and nobody questions. And I, other, you know, I and I get blank looks when I tell most people. I said, you know, how do you not question this? This is not what kind of science tells you that one type of protest is fine, another type of protest is a super spreader. What what type of science tells you that that a virus can attack a certain kind of crowd or at a certain time? And it's just, and you don't question the numbers. I mean, they 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 know. For instance, this the CDC a month ago or two months ago just quietly came out and admitted that of the two hundred and some thousand alleged deaths from this thing, only six percent were actually from what they claim is the virus. Ninety-four percent had other serious illnesses. Much as we heard out of Italy later, where I think they said ninety-nine percent of the deaths were from other ailments. So, but. They continue to bandy the 200 and some thousand uh, figure, which is ridiculous. The CDC, which is running the show, is telling you that's not accurate. But it, it doesn't matter. You tell people and they just, oh, my God. And then, of course, they blame Trump for all. He's responsible for 200 and some thousand deaths. Well, OK, you, 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 no matter what you think of Trump, it's ridiculous that any like any individual could could stop something like that. But it's it's just a mess. And it's uh, the virus is just is divided the country like everything else where it's it's really broken down on political lines where almost everybody you see with the mask and wanting the lockdowns are, are the teachers union types and government workers people that are on the left and uh the people that want to open up are people on the right and it's 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 very sad situation and they they seem to be targeting small businesses as we mentioned before is this about while, while leaving Walmart alone, and of course the, the major online um, retailers are, are just doing boxcar numbers in, in spite of you know the, uh, the uh, recession or depression. So Jeff Bezos, of course, is, is being further enriched, uh, Walmart for further being enriched. Uh, is that what this is about? Is this a, a, a transfer of wealth from the middle class to, again, the not the one percent, but the, you know, maybe one one hundredth of the one percent? Yeah, it sure looks that way, doesn't it? So I said, you know, my book, Survival of the Riches, I think is uh, going to be more timely than ever now because uh, we're we're I, I don't have the updated numbers because once the smoke settles, we don't know how how much damage eventually is going to be done to the economy. But we know, obviously, that uh, a lot of damage has been done. And you already had a situation where half the country had virtually nothing. And if Joe Biden gets in office and he grants amnesty to all the illegals, as he's promised to do, uh, we don't know how many of that. That could be 50 million. We don't know. 11 million, that's ridiculous. It's way more than that. But uh, at any rate, all those people are going to be out in the open and they're going to be getting uh, you know, much easier access to benefits, much easier access to jobs, lowering wages, and almost all of them, all of them are poor. So again, they're going to load up that 50% that has nothing and make it 60%, maybe eventually 70%. So you're going to see a real third world country and where you have an elite at the top. And what's happening is that middle class, as you mentioned, that's what's been crushed out. So when you have the people, the left is, you, they're never talking about, they're funded by the 1%. So they're not going to criticize Jeff Bezos making, I think he made, I don't know how many billion he made in one day at one point during this. It's like, you know, it's like but I, I think I posted something about it and calculated it would take something like, you know, 50 centuries for an average worker to, to make what he made in one day. Uh, and, and people ought to look at those numbers and realize, you know. Uh, this guy doesn't, you know, it's not like he's curing cancer. He's not extending life. Uh, he's, he's, whatever he's doing is not important enough to be worth 
that much more than anybody else, but it's squeezing the middle class out of existence. And uh, when they talk about making America great, what made America great was that thriving middle class, the prosperous middle class, and the ability to keep rising up in the middle class. So you could go from, you know, kind of at the lower level of the middle class and keep working your way, working your way up to where you had upper middle class and you had a really nice lifestyle. Uh, that upward mobility is gone. And as this, as the middle class gets squeezed further and further out, and who knows how many people that were in the middle class that were small business owners are never going to recover from this because you can't, you can't shut your business down for even a couple months and not have it, have it impact. And that's why so many of these uh, people have, uh, you know, the gym owner that's been on Tucker Carlson several times that keeps trying to open up and the hair salon owner in Dallas that were very courageous. But of course, the, the law just slapped them down and, and not enough people were on their side. In fact, I saw the screaming people on social media, oh my God, they're dangerous. And it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're just, you're throwing your liberty away. How can you not see through this charade? But people, you know, Benjamin Franklin warned us a long time ago about, you know, those who give up uh, liberty for uh, temporary safety will end up with neither. And that's what's going to happen here. People are, are, are doing this because they're scared and they're giving up their rights. And you have things like contact, tra these are all out of Orwell, contract tracers. Uh, if you have this mandatory vaccine that we have no idea that you hear the awful stuff, again, a vaccine for, for a, a, a virus that from their numbers, it's like 99.6% you know, recoverable from. Uh, so who? why are we getting a vaccine for something like that? It makes no sense. But people are not questioning it on both sides. Trump is bragging about it too. There's nobody questioning it. Right. Uh, yeah, just on the, the vaccine issue, why would I want to take a vaccine? And I'm not an anti-vaxxer, uh, but you know, when you buy a new automobile, you don't buy the, the first year that a new model comes out you, you wait a year. Let's see, you know, what the reviews are. Let's see if it has any uh, problems. You, you don't line up for a, a, a vaccine that's fresh out of the box. It really hasn't been tested in, in, a, in a widespread um, manner. I mean, I think that's just reckless. But w assuming it was uh, safe, why would I want to take a vaccine that's 95% effective when, as you say, the survival rate is 99.9% .9 anyway? Yeah, and so I think it. People ought to ask themselves that question because they're you know what is the flu vaccine? The flu vaccine has made no impact at all on on the flu statistics. We still have bad flu seasons, which I think this is what what we've experienced this year. I think that that, that the research shows that this is just as the uh, the doctor uh, Roger Hodkinson, I think it was, gave a fantastic speech a British to, before a Canadian group uh, a couple of weeks ago. People ought to listen to that. It's out there. David Knight, I know, had it, and a lot of people had it. It's probably been taken down. But he said this, and he's a, he's an preeminent virologist. This is his area of expertise. And he said, this is nothing more than a bad flu. And that's what it is. And and the flu vaccine has not eradicated the flu at all. In fact, I think it's 40% effective or something, they claim, which means they're better off not taking it. So why would we – this is not like a polio vaccine where you can maybe have demonstrable results. This is nothing. It, it has made it no impact at all on the flu. And what what kind of impact could this make? So you go from 99.6% recoverable rate to 100%? I mean, I, I don't think most people should be willing to, especially with the history of the people that are pushing this thing. The people like Bill Gates, who's an absolute Frankenstein eugenicist. I mean, he's, he's like, you know, rubbing his hands like Mr. Burns of The Simpsons. He's so gleeful, you know, about this. It's like, you ought to at least be skeptical 
because that guy and people like him are behind it. And, and uh, you know, but again, people are once you once you put that fear factor out there, and again, you can't underestimate the way they politicize this virus and they've associated opposition of it to Trump, which is ridiculous, but they have. And so, I mean, I get that all the time. Oh, you're a Trumper. Is that what? <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying anything about Trump. I'm just telling you the numbers are what they are. Uh, have a little critical thinking here, but they politicized it. So the left is, uh, you know, just this has become another one of their idiotic woke issues. You know, they don't, you know, you, you know, the mask is protecting me, you know, and then the Karens are out in full force and you have people, you don't even need the police because uh, your neighbors are turning you in if you're, if you're not wearing your mask. So this is you know, very, the whole thing is incredibly Orwellian. I'm, I'm throwing out a new quote from, from 1984 or Animal Farm every day on social media. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you mentioned the flu and it's curious, we're supposed to be in the midst of cold and flu season, but there are no flu cases, which yes. leads me to suspect they've rolled those into COVID uh, cases. Yeah. Would, wouldn't that be the logical assumption? I think, yeah, I think they said the flu is, is, is down by 98%. So it's virtually gone. And again, what I'm trying to still establish, and it's, it's hard to find the numbers, because with this alleged pandemic, you should be able to judge deaths from one year to another. And it's very hard to get the numbers, but some people claim they've looked and they're, they're not seeing those extra 200 and some thousand deaths because you should theoretically see that. Right. But right. we're not seeing that. And so, yeah, you're, you're the, the, the logical conclusion to draw is that, especially with them claiming the flu is down 98%. And earlier this year, I was writing about things like the New York Times headlined one story, where have all the heart attacks gone? I mean, so, you know, people are not dying from any of the conventional causes because we know that uh, the, the again, we know from the uh, the stimulus bill and, and we talked about killing the middle class. We still have no idea how how many trillions were funneled into the one, top layer of the one percent, but probably unfathomable amount. But we do know that one of the things they doled out to the hospitals is they, they gave them a bonus for every COVID diagnosis they get, they get an extra $13,000. And if they put them on ventilators, which apparently has killed a lot of people, they get an extra 30-some thousand. So they have a lot of incentive to do that. And I also published early on, again, a CDC directive to hospitals. And it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. They came right, I think back in April, and they basically they just came right in, in no uncertain terms and said, you are to list the cause of death as COVID, even if, and this is their words, even if te a test was not available or inconclusive. Now, I, I don't know what else you need to know by that. I mean, we've had so many anecdotal cases uh, online of people on Twitter and so forth saying, you know, gra you know, grandma, you know, they claim she died of COVID. No, she didn't. You know, I object to this. She had th this and this and this. And so who knows how many other people are out there like that? So it's, it's a huge mess, but unfortunately, Richard, nobody outside of Trump's tweets here and there, uh, nobody in a position of prominence. Where you know, where's the business, Where's the Chamber of Commerce and people like that? Are they're supposedly a fine, upstanding capitalist? Don't they know what this is doing to their system of, of you know of business? I don't see any of them getting up there and 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 go say this is ridiculous. This is irresponsible to be shutting everything down over a flu. This is crazy. It's 99.7% recoverable and almost all the fatalities are people that are elderly and had underlying conditions. Nobody's doing that. Instead, they're spreading fear porn. The entire media is on it. Even Fox News was for a long time and they started, especially Tucker Carlson started finally kind of throwing some sense out there. But 
for the most part, they just continue to, to, to just uh, – and you hear these quotes from these leaders saying, well, you know, we can't open schools up until 2021 for a year. We can't do this until then. And so, you know, Anthony Fauci and another Frankenstein type, uh, you know, saying we may never be able to shake hands again. I mean this is, this is insanity and there's nobody – there are lots of us out here questioning it. But there's nobody in a position of prominence that's that's calling these people to task. They're all rolling over it and saying, yeah, we need the vaccine. We need the vaccine. And it's just it's ridiculous. Question the whole thing. The whole narrative is ridiculous. Even with the vaccine, now we're being told even once the vaccine comes around and, and, and we establish, I guess, herd immunity, we'll still likely have to wear masks. That's it's like they are purposely yes. trying to demoralize us. Yeah, and I think I think we can. We talked about the economic uh, fallout, that which we can't even, especially when you combine that with the other big story of twenty twenty. These you know these uh, nationwide riots that have been allowed to happen, and nothing, no, no. Again, no leaders are stepping forward and stopping them. Uh, when you combine the economic damage from those two things, it's unfathomable. And but the social damage, as you mentioned, I mean, what what has happened to people? I mean, I, I know for my family and everybody's family. I mean, my sisters are terrified of this. Uh, people are not spending Thanksgiving with their children. They're scared to let their uh, grown kids in their house. Uh, how many people in, in nursing homes, how many elderly died uh, what they call uh, of COVID, but not from COVID because they died of extreme loneliness? They couldn't. I mean, how many uh, grandchildren didn't get to see grandma or grandpa one last time because of this nonsense? The, so the fall, how many young people are not able to form relationships because they're terrified of catching it from each other? I mean, simple things like, you know, how do you kiss if you have masks? I mean, it's, and I, I've seen fixers like sh showing them like you can have sex with a mask on. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know. This is doing such damage to us socially. Then the, the social distancing where they just, they picked that figure out of the air, the six foot figure. There's no science behind that at all. They just, they just came up with the six foot figure. That's it. As if the virus can't travel seven. It's just ridiculous. But they have, uh, and they, look what they've done to, and just culturally, I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of today's movies, and Hollywood is cheering it on, but they've destroyed Hollywood. Uh, they've destroyed this again, big sports. I, I think it's, it's maybe these are some good things that'll come out of it, but it's ridiculous to watch uh, professional sports. The NFL is a, is a, is a laughing stock now. Where they just had the Denver Broncos yesterday, where they, did, they literally had four quarterbacks, none of whom, by the way, had the virus. None of them were sick at all, but they had been around someone who tested positive. So. It's crazy, and yet they're still trying to have these things go on. No audiences, uh, concerts. Uh, yeah, I like to, my wife and I like to go to concerts, and we can't do it. Now we understand if we buy our, for the Ticketmaster, if we try to go to concerts in the future, if we buy through Ticketmaster, we have to show that we've tested negative for COVID. I mean, and so, you know, how, how many venues are not going to follow that up with? This is going to be downright Orwellian. So if and when it ever does open up again, you're going to have to have what Bill Gates is, you know, dying to have. Basically, he wants to chip us to show that, uh, you know, you're, hey, you're, you're COVID free. And that's really a dangerous slope. And I, if anybody, how many people have not read 1984, how they did not understand how Orwellian this is, I don't, I don't get it. But uh, it seems to go over their head and they're just buying it. You were talking about uh, the, at the elderly dying from loneliness. There was a case recently, and I shoot, I can't remember where this poor woman was. She's ninety. She opted for euthanasia uh, once it was announced another another lockdown was coming. She said, "You know, what's the point?" 
And yeah. and these figures, the people that are dying, not from it, not even with it, uh, but just dying because of isolation and heartbreak and depression. Where are the the daily graphs and numbers showing the collateral damage, the suicides, uh, death from uh, because they people didn't go in for a, a checkup, a heart checkup, or or a cancer screening? Why aren't they showing those figures? Yeah, well, they're because everything is uh, taking a back seat now to this, and the entire. I mean, it's just like you had the. Uh, it's it's Richard. The entire thing is such as you you don't have them online anymore because with YouTube censorship now is at an all time pitch. Uh, you know they they've gotten rid of most of the dissenting voices on YouTube, but they had some great empty hospital videos a few months back. Uh, people like Jason Goodman and so forth were walking around New York City, and they were filming. And this was what when everything was at a fever pitch, the height of lunacy. Oh my God, we we don't have anywhere to bury the bodies. We're having to have makeshift morgues and. Uh, it's crazy. And the, the nurse is saying, oh, we're overwhelmed. He was going to the same hospitals and he was filming outside. And I couldn't go inside, but he was filming outside and he was and he was filming the EMT workers, all the ambulances parked idly by, walking up to the board EMT workers. And they kind of chuckled when he asked them about this virus. Uh, he filmed uh, – it looked to be – if anything, they were less busy. And then you had the renegade nurses and so forth that were coming forth and saying, yeah, including some – a relative of mine told me that. We've never had less business. So uh, this is the reality because people stopped going. The elective surgeries and so forth didn't, didn't allow anymore. So actually the hospitals were virtually empty. And yet they kept saying they were overflowing. And again, a lot of it was to get money. But it was a tremendous lie. And these people filmed it. And showed that, okay, whatever is going on, you can see like people are, there should be a lot of hustle and bustle around these emergency rooms. There's not. There's less activity than usual. So uh, that's the kind of thing that really impressed me. And you had people like, uh, uh, there was one guy in, uh, I think it was Hawaii, that uh, there was a uh, emergency room clinic or something that was, uh, they had a news story that talked about how overwhelmed they were with people coming in and trying to get tests and they, Again, they're begging for money always. So the next day, this guy, this citizen journalist, goes out and he sits outside this clinic all day. And he films off and on. Not a single person walked into that clinic. And he happened to confront the, uh, the, 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 the head of the, the, the clinic that was walking outside. And just to see her reaction is priceless. I mean, she tried to attack his camera. Because he said, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, the media is, is claiming that you, know, you guys are overflowing. You, you need more test kits. You can't, and I've been sitting here all day and there's not a single person. And there were other people. Uh, I think it was in Oregon. Uh, a, a, a woman went to like two or three different emergency rooms in a week. And they were, he, she went inside and filmed it until they threw her out. Completely empty. She went outside to the – because the answer to the when – you, when you brought that up at the time, the answer was, oh, no, they've got tents set up outside. They have to keep – okay. Well, she went out to the tent. Nobody there. Jason Goodman and others filled the tents outside too. There was no activity going on there either. So I don't – I call this the biggest psyop in the history of the world. And I, I don't say for a second, oh, people – no, I understand lots, you know, lots of people died, but I think they died from a bad flu or pneumonia. Or other causes. I don't think, and, and the most important thing about COVID to understand is, as John Rappaport again told me early on, they have never isolated it. They tell you that they haven't isolated it. So when they test these, uh, I forget what the name of the test is, they run out. Oh, the PCR, just, the PCR, PCR test. PCR test, yes. They're, they're just 
testing, it, they're getting the generic coronavirus, which is the common cold, basically. And all, that's why so many people are walking around asymptomatic. I mean, what, what other deadly virus has ever existed where you don't, you're not sick until they tell you? I mean, that's, that doesn't make sense. And, but, but it does make sense if it's just this coronavirus, which a lot of us may. If we go get tested, a lot of us may have it. But we, you know, we're not sick. We're asymptomatic. And uh, that's why the, the test numbers are so ridiculous and they're so fudged because they're, I don't believe they're, you know, whether there is a COVID-19, I don't know. But what I do know is that a different strand of the coronavirus comes out every year and they called it COVID-19 because it was the 2019 strand. Well, at this point, flu season has started and we should, where's COVID-20? They keep claiming COVID-19 is still here. Well, how does that work? What happened to, I mean, you, you, science tells me a different strand is every year. So are they fighting for preeminence or something? So the science is absurd and you have to call them out on it. But that they, you know, they shout people down with that science, science. No, your science makes no sense. And you have the, the leader of this scientific moment, movement is a uh, one of the world's richest men, a, a monopoly manufacturer, Bill Gates, who the only thing he knows about viruses is his crappy computer system that was full of them. But other than that, this guy knows, he's not a scientist at all. He's not a doctor at all. But they trot him out and they shame you and I. Well, you're a scientist, you're a doctor. Well, no, it's Bill Gates. Oh, well, <laughs> and they have no answer for that. But again, they, they and uh, this is the these are the kind of people that are li between them and you know the celebrities. And uh, I'm not listening to them. There's lots of dissenting scientists out there. I've had some of them on my show, and uh, uh, I trust them a lot more. For instance, the guy Roger Hodkinson, the, the virologist, who recently talked about how ridiculous it is. And, and and again, even if even if this was a real thing, you could argue that uh, you definitely could make strong argument that the response to it has caused way more harm than any virus because th this lockdown and the way it has opened the door for tyranny, as Ron Paul said when this all started, you know, once you give government these kinds of increased powers, they're never going to give it back. And that's where we are now. They're, 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 they're you know, and, the, and they have to be delighted because they, they shut, this is not just America, they shut down virtually the entire world in a matter of a couple weeks and they did it without firing a single shot without a, a cop being needed, a single police officer being needed, without a single troop being needed. They just trotted out the fear porn, and people just said, save us, we'll do whatever you want, and the rest is history. You and I are about the same age. You might be a couple years older. Uh, do you remember Hong Kong flu 1968? Because I've asked, sure. I even asked my mother, who's she's 95, but she's got a, a memory like a steel trap, and she <laughs> vaguely remembers it, yeah. but yeah. not... You know, because there was no disruption. There was 100,000, yeah, no. I believe 100,000 uh, people who died in the U.S. from the Hong Kong flu. But, of course, everyone just went about their business. Yeah, I was a little kid, but I uh, I do remember it. And uh, I, I just remember because my mom was crazy and she she would laugh about it. I remember once being in a Chinese restaurant once and she started laughing and joking with the waiters like, Hong Kong flu? And they, and they kept saying, no, no, Hong Kong, just joking with her. Of course, you could do that back then in the, before political correctness, but that was my only knowledge of it. Yeah, I didn't know anybody that had it or, you know, it didn't, it's, it made no impact at all in society. Nothing was closed down. And, and I don't think they closed much of anything down back in the, with the 1918 flu. Now, they have, you know, now in retrospect, I think they're rewriting history where they're trying to claim people were in mass and all that stuff. I don't think that's true. And I, I tell you, Richard, I saw this one picture 
one of my interests, uh, non-conspiratorial interests, is old-time baseball. And uh, you know, I, I really am read up on the you know the, the dead ball era and so up up to the you know, and I, I've read every book on that, uh, that that's been out there forever. And there, there's a picture they tried it out, and I've seen that picture before, of the 1918 World Series where one of the batters now is at the plate, and he's wearing a mask. And, and that that mask has been superimposed. I'm telling you, I've seen the picture. There's no way a guy in 1918, a professional athlete would have done something that absurd. There's no way they would have done that. And, uh, but these, I don't know how they can do it. I guess they can Photoshop things, but they're, and they've tried it on other pictures that way to try to make it seem as if the response in 1918 was when it, when it was really a much more serious thing, a lot more people died and that, and that year, but, uh, it was, you know, worldwide plague, kind of a mini plague, probably the worst flu on record. But I don't know that there's any indication before they're trying to kind of revise things. I don't think things were canceled. It's certainly no lockdowns or anything like that. But in retrospect, they're trying to show that it was. And they started talking about the second wave again, which I never heard about before either. But so I think, you know, I write about history a lot. I think the court historians a lot of times try to clean things up and try to they're always trying to fit the history into today's event, you know, to try to make it compatible Right, right. Uh, with, our, with her today. I think there was, uh, St. Louis, it seems to me, there was that was kind of a, a bad uh, zone or a hot zone. And there was some quarantining in St. Louis, but that was pretty isolated. And you're right. So, for example, uh, with hockey, they did cancel the Stanley Cup in, in 1919 because of the uh, influenza. Um, and there was a couple of waves, and I, I think... The, the first wave of the Spanish flu was not as bad. Then there was a second and a third wave, but no baseball interruption. There, you know, the Red Sox won the series in 18, right. 1918, and then you had the right. Reds, the great, you know, the Black Sox scandal in 1919. Right. Right. Uh, there was no interruption in baseball. They they did cancel the, uh, the 1919 uh, Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you you know, that's very interesting. You, 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 you mentioned... Photoshopping the mask on the uh, the baseball player, uh, I, I, I wouldn't I've put seen, it past them. I wouldn't yeah, put it I've, past them. I've seen that picture. I know, and uh, and but uh, again, you know, of course, you sound you sound outlandish when you say that. Oh, sure, why would they do? Well, again, they're trying. They're I mean, again. Go to Orwell. What what did or, what did uh, Winston Smith? What did they do in the in the Ministry of Truth? His job was to rewrite the history books. Exactly. So he, I mean, he didn't really. I don't think he talked about photoshopping, but that would be the exact kind of thing they would have done. Right. To try to, you know, so so it's not, it's not again, especially when you take into account everything else that you see going on. That's that's right out of there. I mean, it's it's just. I can't imagine what, what 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 the founding fathers would think, or you know, even Orwell would think if they just looked at. Uh, what was going on? It's like you know, Orwell would say, you know, you guys were supposed to read this stuff and you know <laughs> realize the danger in it, not embrace it. But now you're embracing it. I suppose this is somewhat of a rhetorical question, but what has happened to our media? Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I, I'm no longer much of a fan of 60 Minutes, but once upon a time when it was Mike Wallace, uh, and he'd be rolling over in his grave the, the way his son Chris is is uh, uh, hauling water for the. Uh, for the, not only the Democrats, but also the, uh, you know, the Fauci's of this world and so forth. But I watched an episode from 1976 and uh, there was an influenza that year as well. And they rushed a vaccine onto the market. It killed something like 300 people. 
And Mike Wallace was interviewing, I don't know if it was the head of the CDC, but he was holding his feet to the fire because uh, people, uh, scientists apparently had warned the head of the CDC that there are possible neurological um, damage. There's neurological damage that could be done with this vaccine. And they ignored the scientists, they rushed it through, and lo and behold, there were something like 4,000 people that ended up uh, very sick, 300 people died from this vaccine. You would never ever see 60 Minutes do a story like this again. What has happened? Uh, they are just, it's like Pravda. They are carrying water for, the, for, for these authoritarian regimes. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, yeah, certainly I, I wasn't a big fan of, of, of media even back then, but uh, certainly compared to today, they, you would see things like that where uh, necessarily they certainly wouldn't question the JFK assassination, the Warren Commission or something like that. But something like that where they would be, uh, Mike Wallace would not be afraid to uh, grill someone like a CDC director or something. And But just gradually over the course of time, today's media they literally will not question any authority figure at all, unless it's again, unless it's the Trump is again an Orwell reference. I believe Trump is very much like Goldstein in 1984. You know, with the two-minute hate, all those 24/7 hate. But uh, they're they're so they're trained like attack dogs to question him and be you know and, and, and antagonistic towards him no matter what. And of course, he's antagonistic towards them back. But other than that. I don't see. I mean, they're they're just lobbing one softball after another, and they don't question anything. You can, I mean, any news reporter when that CDC directive to hospitals should have come out, that should have been a front page news. That should have been the top story in every newscast. They should have questioned the CDC. What are you talking about here? You're including, you're telling hospitals to say that the that the cause of death of this virus, when they weren't even tested or the tests were inconclusive. I mean, what? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to incite a panic here? Uh, but they didn't do that. They didn't question any, any of the things I'm talking about. CBS News was caught uh, early on uh, airing uh, footage from Italy and claiming it was from a New York City hospital, again, to try to incite panic. Uh, the, the media it, uh, ran several big outlets in the media ran uh, very ominous looking pictures of rows of coffins claiming they were coming out of Italy. It, well, it was something from 10 years before in another part of the world. Had nothing to do with that at all, and none of these media outlets really ever apologize, and no one holds their feet to the fire, and uh, it's they're clearly just a. You mentioned Pravda. I mean, there's. I, I think the only difference between our media today, our state, and it is state-run and state-controlled media. It's not a free press in, in any way, shape, or form. The only difference between what we have today and what Pravda and TASS were at the height of the Soviet Union is that the Soviet citizens knew what TASS and Pravda were. They just they they rolled their eyes and they realized, okay, this is the government talking. They didn't for a minute think this was any kind of independent press. Most Americans don't have that cognitive ability. They believe that the CNNs, the MSNBCs of the world, that these this is actual journalism. They actually believe what they're listening to them, that they're uh, you know, they're reporting the news. And it's 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 really very sad to watch. I don't know which is worse, the fact that the media does this, but the response to it, where the, where so many people lap it up. I mean, you know, watching the Chris Cuomo's of the world. I mean, they just gave an Emmy to Andrew Cuomo. I mean, this this is. I mean, they don't even try to uh, pretend what they're doing. I mean, that's just that's a slap in the face. First of all, to anybody that's ever won a real Emmy. 
But, I mean, the idea is that this guy was uh, basically acted like an overt mobster. So maybe he was doing a good job portraying a mobster, you know, in a television production because he, he certainly acts like one. But the idea that you give somebody an award for his ridiculous updates, which are just basically whining and criticizing Trump and, and bragging about what a great job he did when he killed how many, you know, how many people was he responsible for dying? Talk about people being responsible for deaths. Well, Something like 10 or 15,000 seniors by put by, yeah. by ordering long-term care facilities to take COVID patients into their facility. Yeah. And uh, these poor people were trapped in there. You're right. He, he does deserve an Emmy for, you know, best performance in a horror show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, but Still, most people will—they're uh, like Pavlovian dogs. They'll, they're, many more people will blame Trump for two, for all the deaths, uh, you know, that allegedly are attributed to COVID. These ridiculous figures, uh, rather than the the much more provable uh, connection between Andrew Cuomo's uh, putting these COVID patients into the nursing homes and the deaths that resulted there. I mean, that's really he should have been thrown out of office for that. But again, they just. But people just are, they're divided, especially in the age of Trump. We've talked about this a lot before where uh, people, people that hate Trump are, they just are, they just align on one side. And as long as that the media is hating on Trump, they've now turned off all their critical faculties. And I, I've argued with them many times, like, you know, what, what you're, you're, you're supporting these people now, Rachel Maddow, people like that. Rachel Maddow's done shows on how Oswald killed Kennedy and, and people in the JFK community are singing your praises when she criticizes Trump. It's like, what, you know, what, what you, can you think for yourselves here? You know, it's like, just because you, you hate this guy irrationally, uh, you know, you've you now turned, and that's, you know, unfortunately this is, uh, this has done irreparable damage to the left. Uh, my friend Naomi Wolf and I were going back on, on Twitter, back and forth on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago because uh, I told her, you know, we, we each said, you know, we don't have a home. You know, whether the left doesn't want us, you know, she's, she called it, I think, the homeless spectrum on the left. And uh, there's no place for people like her and I and, and Cindy Sheehan and Cynthia McKinney. There's nowhere to go because the left is completely discredited. Uh, they're demented. They're, uh, you know, this wokeness is, is insanity largely. I want nothing to do with them, but I'm not a conservative. I've never been one. I never will be. So I don't know where you go. But at this, and that's why I, I've, I run into trouble from both sides all the time because uh, I criticize Trump a lot, but um, his, his critics always outdo him. And I, I, I just think that the, the, the people that have uh, turned this all into a, uh, and they've done it with this too, Richard. I think this is why. The uh, why the left has embraced this so much because they successfully channeled any criticism of the lockdown and all that. They've, they've connected it to Trump. And it's basically this is just crazy right wing people that are dangerous. And, you know, they're going to get us all killed by not wearing their masks. And it's ridiculous because there are plenty of people. Cindy Sheehan, for instance, is as left as it gets. And she's very skeptical about the lockdown. So is Naomi Wolf. So is Cynthia McKinney. So there's lots of people out there that, you know, we, the last thing we want is this kind of state control. But uh, unfortunately, the, the woke left runs the left now and they run the culture. And so you can't uh, you can't get there's there's no outlet out there. You know, there maybe Tucker Carlson on a good night there. There's nothing on uh, in the mainstream media that that counters this nonstop narrative that uh, 
you must obey and uh, science, science knows what's best. Is there a path out of here? Is there a, is, uh, I mean, are they, are they going to get away with this? Well, they have so far, you know, I, I don't, you know, well, uh, and a lot of this, of course, is tied up into the, uh, the third and, you know, uh, crazy aspect of 2020, this election. Uh, certainly if, if uh, Trump fails to, uh, to get the courts or maybe the Supreme Court, I think is the only chance to overturn the, you know, the results and, and, and expose this, you know, massive corruption that's out there for everybody to see. And it makes us really a shameful banana republic at this point. If, if he fails to do that, and he really only has the, the Supreme Court. I don't think there's any other chance because every other organ is – every other you know, outlet, and that includes most Republicans. They just, no, no, you can't question the system. You know, Concede, concede. And uh, Trump, as flawed as he was, he represented the opposition. Biden getting in there is a tool. He probably doesn't even know where he is at this point. But he's going to be able to be manipulated by uh, the most malevolent forces out there. And who knows what – you know. I can't see the lockdown lifting under under Biden. I can see mandatory vaccines. I can see, uh, you know, I can see them, you know, maybe getting the mark of the beast and, you know, people not even realizing or something, you know, let's chip everybody and uh, you can't work or you can't. Yeah, it's not mandatory. You don't have to have it, but you just won't be able to work without it. You won't be able to buy food. So, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> it's cool. But uh, I think that it would be ratcheted up beyond belief because Trump has, has served, if nothing else, his tweets have served as kind of a check on this crazy woke left, like a, you know, a voice that has a big platform and a protest. And while he would still exist there, he would probably still be tweeting and everything, but um, he wouldn't have any power left at all. And uh, especially if the Democrats succeed, and it looks like, I think, I have no confidence that they won't in winning uh, those last two seats in Georgia because they're, they're already, you know, openly telling people go move to Georgia and vote you know I mean there's no no concerns you're supposed to have residency requirements in these places but that's it's all out the window illegals can vote they can vote so if they get that then they will control both houses and the presidency and uh, you know if they go through with their their most radical extreme things which is like adding two states DC and, and Puerto Rico those would be two more uh, four more Democratic senators Pack the Supreme um, Court. Pack the Supreme Court. Uh, and not to mention that I've heard really scary things about truth and reconciliation committees, very similar to what we saw in South Africa. And they've already tried it out legislation, which is very South African-like, about giving uh, huge amounts of money to black farmers. And I don't even know how many black farmers there are. But again, just black farmers. And this is very much like what we saw happen in South Africa. And uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Committees ought to uh, send a shiver through everybody's spine. I have people, and because they, they could go down to to the low as, as us people well, they, like they, us. They want to keep they're they're keeping lists now. AOC yes. and and other people that were in the Obama administration saying we're keeping yep. a list of all the Trump supporters. Yep. What do they intend to do? Round us up and put us in camps? Yeah. Well, why why else would they need a list? And, and AOC said, you know, that the people that were complicit. It's like you know, again, and there's nobody. The Republicans have always been what I call the stupid party. And, and except for Trump, who's not really a Republican, Rand Paul, a few others, they are just as stupid as ever. And they're not fighting this. They say, well, you know, what do you, what do you, how dare you, complicit? We're, but, but they've already opened the door to that. I mean, basically, they've made it, they've made it almost criminal to wear uh, this, this MAGA hat. 
that represent. I mean, just think of that. I mean, this is you know, it's it's beyond belief that that, that they've uh, that we've allowed that to happen because of the hostility towards Trump and his supporters. But you're right. I mean, I've seen uh, CNN, MSNBC, these crazed, demented. Uh, they're not remotely journalists. I don't know what they are. Uh, just talking about, you know, what they need to pay and uh, we need to uh, question. It's like, what are you talking? We've never done this before. This is like a this has taken Nuremberg to uh, the concept of Nuremberg where you legally put on trial the people you defeat in war, which is a horrible precedent. Well, this is taking it even a step further where basically they want to like prosecute people who uh, who voted for the candidate they hate. I mean that's it's very very troublesome I and mean, that's you talk about a, a slippery slope but again I don't there's no civil libertarians that's what I was talking about my where am I going to find a place on the left today there's nobody there except for the few people I mentioned there are no civil libertarians that, and the woke left doesn't believe in free speech so I'm very scared that they that they will uh, clamp down even further and make it, uh, you know, maybe make it a crime to criticize science or, mm. or you know, whatever. One of the most moving speeches uh, during the Republican uh, National Convention was a Cuban um, immigrant who, whose parents had fled Franco's Spain. Mm-hmm. They landed in Cuba prior to uh, Castro. Of course, then they had to flee Castro and they came to the United States. This gentleman uh, grew up in Florida, later became a very successful businessman. He was in tears. He said, first we lost Spain, then Cuba. We came to America. If it goes down, there's nowhere else left to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, you know, the, well, the rest of the world falling for this pandemic. And in many cases, I mean, Australia and some of the, some of the tales you hear about these other, I mean, it's amazing. The tyranny. That's happening all over the place, and so few people. You had Brazil, I guess, and uh, Sweden didn't lock down like some of the other places, but everybody bought into it. There's no, I mean, I, I would have thought Vladimir Putin would have balked at it, but nobody really did. And uh, yeah, America has always been, you know, what, what I guess Reagan called the last shining hope or whatever that expression was. But uh, but again, that's based on. <laughs> Whether it's Reagan or the Cuban American, that's I think that's based on America that's long gone. Yeah, the America that I, you know that I grew up in as, as as a child, yeah, that was a shining light because we had that thriving middle class, and we had competency. We had corruption everywhere, but the officials were competent. They were able to do their jobs. They were able to plow the streets when it snowed. They were able to keep the power on. Uh, now they can't do that. And they would never have no 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 authority on the left or the right would have allowed you know what we've seen in this this summer, you know to have statues torn down all that stuff. They they would have react re- reacted responsibly, they would have nipped it in the bud right away, but we have just a mismatch of of corruption and incompetence now, that it's frightening because I don't know which is worse you know because some of the you look at some of these people the Ilhan Omars of the world and people like that and you. Yeah, you just look. You don't know exactly how uh, how competent they are in any way, shape, or form. And these are the people that are in charge, and uh, we've allowed that, and we've constructed this nightmare now. And if you grant amnesty to 50 million, as many as 50 million, or how many illegals are here now, you're going to literally change America. Again, into because you're basically importing a third world population, so you're going to get third world standard, 
and we already are halfway there. But uh, the Republicans are incredibly stupid through all this. They should be fighting more everything because they have allowed themselves to become the second tier party. And if I've said before that Trump's the last Republican president, I don't even think he's a Republican, but he's the last president that's going to be under the Republican mantle. Following this, unless something in total collapse happens and something better emerges, we have one party rule because if the Democrats get in there and they do everything that they that the AOCs of the world want to do, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to you're you're going it's going to be one party rule. The Republicans will be in pockets here or there, like Wyoming and you know, Iowa or whatever. But the rest of the country will be all Democrats. The the there'll be nothing to stop this political correctness on steroids. And you and I and people like us, whatever, if we still even have these platforms we have now, um, you know, we could be hauled off for questioning. And we could be censored really easily. Blogs, they could come after blogs like mine easily and, and say, you know, what, you know, you can't say those things out there if they censor the internet as they're already starting to do. So it's it's very troubling, but unfortunately, most people don't care and they've uh, they've been brainwashed. And, and if this virus or whatever it is proves anything, it proves that people like you and I are in the distinct minority, unfortunately, in this country. You know, I've been talking about this sort of thing for 20 years and truth be told I guess my normalcy bias never really truly let me believe it would ever happen I would talk to people who would warn about these things yeah. uh, and it, but now it's here it's it's not something in the future it's happening now mm-hmm. and uh, we can't go down without a fight uh, we um, the time has come to uh, to hold not our peace and uh, uh, I'm not I'm not going to pretend anymore. It's you know that it's it, it may not happen. It's not likely to happen. It is happening. It has happened. Uh, and we we all of us all of us who still have uh, a modicum of intellectual curiosity uh, or or a, a love for freedom and individual liberty, we have to speak out now. We have to do everything possible. Uh, to wake people up, and we all have to rise up and and stop this while there's still too, while there's still time, if there is in fact any time. Uh, so let's hope, uh, Don, that you and I can uh, maybe uh, speak again in a few weeks or a month and and talk about this some more uh, while we're still able. <laughs> Absolutely, have to have to. Uh... Make hay while the sun shines. Or what's that old expression? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. We have to have to while while these platforms exist. Yeah, we have to try to, you know, like Bobby Kennedy said, you know, send forth those tiny ripples of hope and hope eventually that we can get this tidal wave to overturn the uh, the oppression and the injustice. How do we read your blog and how do we get a copy of Survival of the Richest? Oh, Survival of the Rich is out there along with all my other books, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, all, every place it's easy to find. Uh, my blog is donaldjeffries.wordpress.com. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Don Jeffries. Uh, Facebook, I'm very – I'm at my maximum of friends there. But I, I'm very you know, easy to find. You can find my books too. Just Google me and you'll probably find uh, more than you, than you want to know about me out there. Don, always a great pleasure and uh, be well and keep strong, my friend. Thank you, Richard. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. 
Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.